Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vasquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Bienvenidos y welcome al show Next Step. Un show con una misión para educar, unir y hacer sinergia. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Peter Vasquez, and one of my really good friends... The extraordinary Aisha Kreutz. The extraordinary Aisha Kreutz. <laughs> the extraordinary... I like that. Yeah. What makes you so extraordinary? Well, there's... You know, if you... It's a geeky term, the extraordinary machine... Called I myself like that for machine. yeah. I called myself that for a long time. So. I think your husband makes you pretty extraordinary too. I think your other half is like the extra in the ordinary part of extraordinary machine. I'd say he is pretty extra. Hey, what do we do on this show, Aisha? Well, we talk a little bit about our faith. We talk a little bit about politics. Okay, a lot about politics um, and entrepreneurship. And our community and how we can have discussions with people, sometimes that agree with us, sometimes that don't. And because I don't know. it's all about learning and growing. It's all about working together, right? It doesn't always have to be a battle. We battle where we need to. We discuss where we need to. We find common ground where we need to. Correct. You know, um, I'll partner with anyone to do good. I think sometimes... Uh, You know, we're all a bunch of snowflakes and get triggered over way too much. Um, and that goes for no matter what side or where you're coming from, you know. Don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I like snowflakes. I love winter. Okay. Especially the real big snowy days. You are a snowflake. <laughs> Absolutely not. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a couple great guests today. We have an in-studio guest who, like I said, is the extra in the ordinary in Aisha's extraordinary machine, Mr. Matt Kreutz. He is a financier extraordinaire and an author of some really good books. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank and you we very much. Oh, you're so very much welcome. And we also have another dynamic individual who's doing some great and wonderful things throughout the world, right? Not just here in the United States, but throughout the world. And he's talking about very important issues like solidarity with Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, our, neck, our, our other guest on the show today is Dumisami Washington, the founder and CEO of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. Wait a minute. <laughs> Talk among yourselves for a minute because the minute you introduced him, We lost him. <laughs> oh, no. Isn't that the way it goes? Well, hey, okay. Murphy's Law. Yeah. I'll, right? I'll go get him. You guys, uh, we'll break into a small discussion group right now. All right. That works. Well, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about Matt's book while we wait uh, to connect well, on. Actually, I wanted to point out something real quick. Point um, it out. About, um, you know, we were talking about kind of what we do here. And, you know, trying to bring people different perspectives and guests and introducing You know, uh, people to people that you may not know that are out there that are actually doing the hard work, mm -hmm. right? That are actually doing things that are producing good fruit because we do hear a lot of negative things all the time, right? We always are hearing, oh, how maybe something isn't getting done or somebody isn't, um, 
doing... Well, there's a lot of complaining, a lot of whining, a lot of pointing out the issues, but very few people talking about the solutions or the people that have solutions out there. Right, and doing the hard work. You know, um, I know, you know, we were talking a lot about, um, I know we talk a lot about, I love, you know, like rallies and speaking to the choir and doing all of these different things, but... um, being able to break out, and I think that's one of the great things, right? Like what you're talking about, a, a starting point for discussion, mm-hmm. right? Is how do we really do that? And so I think part of what we try to do here is bring you people that are going to help you to do that, right? That are going to help give you some point of views, give you some things of how you may be able to talk to people Absolutely. about issues that you maybe never thought about or if you thought about them not in this way you know it's it's interesting because we especially here we talk a lot about unity we talk a lot about um uh uh, bringing together cultural differences but man when we look at it especially when it comes from the political side of things there's everything but unity you know it's almost like uh like segregation is what they're pushing coming down from the top down so all right it looks like we got our little technical issue resolved uh, as I was saying before we, we started talking, we have a dynamic guest who's doing great things throughout the world. His name is Dumisani Washington. He is the founder and CEO of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel and the former diversity outreach coordinator for the over 10 million Christian United for Israel organization. He's a pastor and an author. Dumisani I'm a professional musician. Don't forget that. I am I don't know pro- if you- that is true. I got it written right there. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, you guys. Great to be here with you this morning. Wonderful. And so, like I said, in studio we have Matt Croyd, Aisha's husband, and we also have on the phone uh, Domisani uh, Washington. So let's get started talking. Yeah. And hi, how are you? Aisha, how are you? How are you, Matt? I'm very good. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to start off maybe, uh, Dumasani, if you would, talking to people a little bit more just, you know, about yourself um, and also explaining the importance and relevancy of Israel to the United States. So I know that's kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No problem. Well, again, thanks for having me on. And Aisha, great to be with you. Again, also last week, I guess a couple weeks ago, on the on the call with the LI, it was great yes. to be there with the with the leaders and everything, and uh, and see the great work that you all are doing. So, um, as he as, as our, our our host said, I am a pastor and the founder of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, uh, and that in and of itself is a, is a journey that started back in 2012. So I'll just do that one really quick. I, my first trip to Israel ever uh, was in 2012. Uh, December, I was a guest pastor with Christians United for Israel. I was not on staff at that time, just a couple of friends were there, part of the organization, um, and in uh, something the vision God had given John Hagee for pastors and leaders to go to Israel and really, uh, as Christians, of course, connect with the land, connect with the people, walk where Jesus walked, uh, go, go to Jerusalem, go to Galilee, just this amazing, amazing time. But while I was there, one of the things that God placed on my heart was the need for a solidarity, a renewed solidarity, now, where particularly where the black and the Jewish community are concerned, and then broadly as well, as you said, in terms of the U.S.-Israel relationship. 
And so this was something that just happened. The only way I can describe it was there just kind of praying at the wall, and God just placed it really, really heavily on my heart. Didn't really know. I often tell people, you know, if God's kind of maybe talking to us because we have no idea how we're going to do what he says he's going to do. <laughs> Ain't that the uh, truth? It sounds good, but you feel right, exactly. You're overwhelmed. Like, oh, that sounds great, God. Just, you let me know how that works out. So um, I got back to the States. Uh, just started doing some research, and, and like he does, he just kind of, you know, you, you take your step of faith, and he begins to kind of meet you where you are. And, and I was aware of some things, right? I was aware of things like the fact that Dr. King, as the iconic leader of the civil rights movement, was very pro-Israel. I didn't know what the context of it was. I didn't know what that was about. So doing research around there and found out other things that were very, very connected to both the black civil rights movement as well as uh, just America in general. The black civil rights leaders, by and large, stood with Israel, stood for peace. And, and if anyone's wondering why in the world would black civil rights leaders be weighing in on a conflict eight, 9,000 miles away from the United States, well, it was because, in large part, because that conflict, both, you know, both biblically and then also in terms of the news, had just consumed and continues to, right? Israel is the size of New Jersey, right? The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is one of thousands around the world, yet even people with a cursory knowledge is aware on some levels of what the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or wars or terrorism, those types of things, right? So all these things kind of captured the imagination of many, many people around the world. Dr. King was asked to weigh in on it. And which he did, speaking on behalf of so many in the civil rights uh, community. But going further, there was even those deeper ties that were there that connected these two communities together, the black and the Jewish community, and had huge ramifications for the United States in terms of direction. Not only did Dr. King say that the Jewish people were the most represented in the struggle for justice, but a generation before them was Julius Rosenwald and Booker T. Washington. Again, this connection to when you had the Rosenwald schools built in the earlier part of the 1900s. So you have this very, very deep connection that's gone back over a century. What about, and so what things have got to place on my heart. Go ahead. I'm listening. Yes, ma'am. Oh, no, I just was going to ask, what about, what about Malcolm X? Was he in that mix or no? <laughs> so Malcolm X was decidedly anti-Israel, and I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question. Here's the thing. Uh, those who are aware of Malcolm X's arc, we recognize that he obviously was trained and mentored by Elijah Muhammad. Uh, of course, Louis Farrakhan had a lot to do with that as well, even though they were contemporaries, right? And when he made his break from Elijah Muhammad, those who are aware of that story, he began to, in his own words, think for himself, speak for himself. And the whole nation of Islam, very anti-Semitic in terms of its ideology, uh, very anti-Israel in terms of its ideology, and there's lots of reasons for that. It has a lot to do with who actually started it. And for those who don't, are not aware, Elijah Muhammad is not the originator of the nation of Islam. There's another man from Turkey who actually started the organization. Elijah Muhammad took it over after him, and it was very, very anti- it was very anti-Semitic from its very beginning, right? So that was the ideology that carried it. But lo and behold, here comes Malcolm X. Before he's killed, he begins to, never became an Israel supporter, but began to talk about Zionism in a different context. He said himself that Zionism will do, he said Pan-Africanism will do for black people all over the world what Zionism has done for Jews all over the world. He began to look at the rebirth of the state of Israel as a positive thing that galvanized the Jewish diaspora. This is something that if you're a nation of Islam, you don't say those types of things about Zionism, right? Everything about Zionism is supposed to be bad and evil and wicked. 
but he started processing you, it on a different level. So I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, I and, write and, about that in my book. Yeah. And can I uh, just just real quick, because I want to make sure again, we, we like to make sure people understand um, with talking about Zionism. Um, you know, I'm a proud Zionist, but um, can you just expand a little bit? So that people understand what you're saying when you what say that. Means. Absolutely. And what I mean, and, and for our listeners, uh, just so that everyone knows, earlier uh, Mr. Sure. Washington mentioned uh, uh, DLI. Oh, uh, we just want to make sure Institute. that yep, they understand this. The Douglas, uh, Douglas Leadership Institute. It is the sister organization to the Frederick Douglass Foundation National, doing a lot of great work throughout this country. Yes. Yep. That too. So yeah. So on Zionism, Absolutely. like you know, it, it does get a bad rap. But so yeah, just if you real briefly. Yeah, absolutely, Aisha. So Zionism in concept is basically the belief that Israel is the land, the homeland of the Jewish people, um, and that this is something that's promised in Scripture. Now, many people consider themselves, because that word Zionist, like you said, is a, is a very, very charged word over the decades, right? It has become all kinds of different things. It, for some people, it means colonialism and imperialism and all of those things. That's not what it is, but unfortunately, it has been used in that way. It is a simple belief, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, your belief that Israel is basically the homeland of the Jewish people. So, and that means that that person, whether actively or passively, whether Christian or any other religion, they believe that a Muslim can believe that Israel belongs to the Jewish people, as well as Jews, obviously, and Christians. So that's what that term actually means. Dr. King was called a Zionist, both by people who were for Israel and against it. So it's a pejorative, right? It's also used as an N-word to people, right? right? So that's why that word is so so controversial and everything. So yes, ma'am. Yeah, and, and and how does you know again? And you keep. Oh, go ahead. Um, so what I was no, going to. No, I didn't want to cut you off. I know it's a little bit delayed, so I didn't want to do that. So yeah, yeah, you're good. I'm listening. <laughs> um, and so going back to that, right? Um, um, how the Institute for Black Solidarity, you know, kind of how got started and why you, you know, knowing that the Lord had brought it, but how that kind of came about. And I know that you're working on a project right now. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about that as well? Sure, absolutely. So for those who are interested, I, I write about uh, the details of it in my book, which is called Zionism in the Black Church. Uh, and I wrote it several years ago, but we did the new edition, the second edition that was released last year. And they can go on our website, ibsi-now, ibsi-now.org, and you'll see the book there on our shop. So I talk about uh, this actual uh, the, the coming together of this organization, why? And, and I want to say this particularly for those versus Christians who recognize that the body of Christ is not black, white, you know, Hispanic, Asian. There's one body. That's and right. we actually talk about that in the book. So the, the starting of the organization and everything had nothing to do with wanting to be divisive or anything. It had everything to do with legacy and, 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 and just keeping it brief. There, there's, a, there's a deep legacy that when it comes between both Israel and Africa, and then when it comes to the black Jewish community, that is something that is very, very prophetic. And, and, and without getting on it, is Psalm uh, 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 63, uh, um, Isaiah 18, Isaiah 11. There's, there's so many different uh, iterations of it. But this was part of what was going on with me even at the time, Aisha. So this was part of the what the vision was on so starting the organization. It was to reaffirm those ties, because when we are talking about uh, now let's step into the political for a quick second. When we're talking about, for example, those types of things, 
that you are very much involved with, Aisha, when it comes to how the black family was actually approached, particularly in the 1960s, what the war on poverty actually did, as opposed to what it was uh, stated to do, how it impacted education, how all these other types of things, where we talk about the difference between what was going on in the 60s and then fast forward to over the last 50 plus years, one of those things that was severely impacted was the black community's connection to Israel and the Jewish people. Not that it turned, but there's so many leaders, one after the other, who after Dr. King's death aligned themselves with the Palestinian movement. That's the political part of it everything. It became a situation that if you were a black leader and were for Israel, somehow there was something wrong with you because there was so much disinformation that was focused on the black community. And we make the case that that was not a happenstance. The the leader of the Palestine Liberation Organization, Yasser Arafat, in the 1960s, focused on black leaders for a reason. This was just not like a, a, a... a, a, a grab at something. He was actually working on a plan and a strategy to sever a relationship that had yes. become iconic. And those who aren't aware, that organization was founded by the KGB. It was a, yeah. it was a Soviet disinformation organization. And yeah. it was an intentional move. That was, I mean, I think you mentioned that it, this was intentional. This was something that was decided was going to happen for whatever purpose. What do you think drove that? I mean, what yeah. what would be the gain for 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 moving that along? What would be something like that? Matt? I am absolutely, and this is part of the point. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I I would think that at the time. Oh no! At the time, the Soviets were trying to kill God so that people would be, they would love the Soviet government or any government instead of God, and the fact that the Jews were in Israel held to God's word. It was the promised land. If the Jews were out of Israel then God's word would be meaningless and people would be more willing to give their allegiance to the government and to the Soviet state than they would to God. The only way they can let socialism reign is if God is dead. Do you want to say? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, yes, sir, and I'm sorry about that delay, you all. Absolutely. No, that's that's very, very, very good. And and here's for... The Soviets, part of what happened historically, and I write about this in my book as well, Stalin at the beginning of NATO, isn't that funny because we're talking about NATO right now today, right? The whole Ukraine thing and Russia invading Ukraine, right? NATO is formed, and when NATO is formed with the Western powers, United States standing together, Stalin, who's the the premier of Russia, knows he can't defeat them, right? So what he starts is a disinformation campaign against the Jews to stir up the oldest race hatred in the world, anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. in the West in the hopes of destroying what was a solidarity among the Western world. He's the one who actually starts to crap the whole protocols of the elders of Zion. He calls the Senate a controlled by Jews. All the stuff we hear today that came out of Soviet Russia. That's how that actually gets started. And one of the things that they do, once the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is brewing as it is, the Arab powers could uh, attempt to destroy Israel. They fail each time. And so it is the Soviets who actually craft this organization called the Palestine Liberation Organization. This is actually documented, right? This does not come from... Palestine, quote-unquote, it does not come from Egypt. It comes from Russia. They actually uh, formed this organization to form a disinformation campaign against Israel. And one of the things they want to do is they want to recast Israel as as a racist, apartheid, 
uh, uh, kind of Jewish supremacist state. All those things are lies. And in order for them to sell that to the public, they have to stand with people who have credibility when it comes to fighting racism. And where do you think they would go? The the black and, and, and so the first thing Yasser Arafat does is go right to the black Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, I was I, sorry. I was just going to jump in, right? Uh, because if if uh, people think about the parallel that we have, the like blacks in America, right, and slavery, yes, and yes. the yes, Jewish sir. people, yes, the sir. history or the type of yes, you know, like what happened, there is a parallel there, which is why there was a natural alignment, yes, right? Um, and looking at yes, how sir. in just one generation the Jews were able to overcome so much um, hatred and so much, you know, the anti-Semitism, all of that stuff, that blacks could actually do the same thing if they looked at the parallel and they went back to, um, you know, if, if we were somehow to connect that back again. Absolutely. We're listening to yes, Dumisani Washington, founder and CEO of the Institute for Solidarity with Israel. Um, if you can, could you do us a favor for our listeners? And, and I know that a good portion of our listeners already know where Israel is. But can you place its location, its geographic location, and its, and its relevancy to the world? Why is it so important to talk about this country? Not only is it biblical, um, but it's also a beacon, you know, in the middle of of what seems one of the most chaotic areas in the world. And, and why does it matter to absolutely. us, especially the black and brown community? Yes, sir, absolutely. No, good, excellent questions. If you look at a, the world map, the, just the, the standard kind that you see that's just flat on the ground, you know, instead of like a globe, you'll see right there in this tiny speck of land, again, the size of New Jersey, Israel, which is right, it touches <laughs> three continents, both the African continent, it touches the uh, the uh, Asian continent, and it touches the European in terms of Mediterranean. So you have Africa, Asia, and Europe all touch right where Israel is, right? It is literally the center of the earth, right? And the Bible calls Jerusalem the center of the universe. God says, I've chosen that city for myself. So both religiously and also geographically, it is the center. This is actually, and this is one of the reasons why it's so important, because, well, first of all, spiritually, God says, that land is mine. So, you know, the way the enemy works, he always wants to fight against what belongs to God, right? So that's the first part that you have there. And the other part is that because of the fact that it's so strategic, it's on, it's, it's funny, it's like one of those movies says, it's, it's important, it's on the way everywhere important. So, you, in other words, in order for you to want to control or have access to all three of those continents, right, you have to control that region of the world. Hence the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, all of them intersected where Israel was concerned, because whether they cared about the Jews or not, they had to go through Israel to get to Africa, right? You had to go back through Israel to get up to the Mediterranean, and so you could not overlook it. This is one of the reasons why today, to this day, it remains such a strategic part of the world. And, and when it comes to the black and brown community, this is that last part, I'll just interject that, because Israel's enemies were unsuccessful in removing, they're talking about the modern state of Israel now, not just the ancient, but 1948, May the 14th is when Israel claims its independence from Great Britain. It has been basically almost 2,000 years. The Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and in around 135 A.D., they put down the last rebellion. So you're talking about for almost 2,000 years, the Jewish people without a homeland. 1948, Isaiah the prophet says, can a nation be born in a day? That question was answered because on May 14, 1948, after 2,000 years of exile, the Jewish people 
then reclaim their homeland. There's always been a remnant of Jewish people there, but for the most part, scattered to the four corners of the earth. Anyone who's been there to Israel now, you know now. You walk around there, you see Jews who are black, who are white, who are Asian, who are Hispanic. Why? Because they've come from Africa, they've come from Latin America, they've come from Europe. It is a miracle. It's a miracle because at no time in history has a tribe of people been scattered for 2,000 years and then returned to their homeland. Now, that's a desert. I mean, but by all scientific measures, that shouldn't you shouldn't be able to grow anything in that drone area, as I understand. And they've reclaimed it incredibly. And they've reclaimed it incredibly. Yes. Now that's a work of God. I mean, that's not. It's amazing. Yeah. It is. It is a desert, and if you would go there, you wouldn't even know. It's amazing. The Israelis so innovative; they actually have invented a machine that creates water out of the thin air. No joke. It's called the Water Gen 360. You plug it in or you use a generator and it creates something like 120 gallons a day. It uses the condensation in the air. They literally have made a desert bloom. Yeah, and actually, um, one of our Frederick Douglass Foundation members, uh, Linda, well, she's our president out in Ohio, uh, that, her whole business, actually, she uses that um, you know, for agriculture and stuff and how you pull the water out of the air. You know what I mean? And, and, and that is, you know, Israel has so many inventions, so many, has given so much uh, to the world, and yet, right, we look at all of that hatred that, is, that has been going on, um, and I think that we here in America, um, I don't think that we look at a lot, I have this one app where it talks about, uh, you know, like every time... Um, uh, Red Alert, I think it's called, right? Where, where all, whenever the bombs right. come over, um, and I don't think that we really can appreciate the amount of just how everybody comes after Israel and what it is like to actually live there. And I know we have to go to break um, coming up here, um, but I think that we really lose that here in America, like, like. This little tiny place and how everybody is out to destroy it. And sometimes it gets me because even our own government. Do you know that back when we had uh, during 9-11, Israel, and this was in an article. They, they showed us the article. It was printed in Israel. I can't remember the name of the of the uh, publication. Uh, yeah, publication it was in. But they gave um, the president at the time, Obama, who went there to at some point. They, they offered him a technology that apparently was uh, – a robotic type of snake that was able to traverse uh, uh, areas of, of you know, building crumbles. It was able to get in through to find um, people. People. We refused uh-huh. to use it. Obama, excuse me, right. refused to use it. Right. It was in an article. He refused it. He yeah, said, no, there, the there, United States doesn't want anything to do with it. Bizarre. There, there's so much to unpack there. And I don't want to talk over the break, too, so you let me know. But, no, you're absolutely right what you all are saying, that the – uh, the terrorism part, I want to focus just on that just for one quick second so you let me know when I need to stop talking because well, it is so crucial back? to the Israeli Actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. Let, let's okay. let's pick up when we get back from break because I could keep talking about this all day too. And when we get back, I'd also like us to talk a little bit about what I assume is your son Joshua and the great work you guys are doing together. Oh, yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Next Step Show with Peter and Aisha, two peas in a pod, right, on the WISL stations. Voice of Liberty on 1040 AM, 92.1 FM, and 95.5.
All right, Dumasani, for a couple minutes here, you're not going to hear anything, but uh, keep the faith. We're still here, and uh, we'll be back on WYSL, the next step show. It's summer, and Springwater Amish Workshop has a wide selection of buildings to suit your every need. You choose style, color, size, exterior product, placement of windows and doors to make it uniquely yours. Springwater Amish Sheds have the best manufacturer's warranty in the business. American-made, Amish-built, delivered to your prepared site within a 40-mile radius of Springwater. When the delivery people leave, your new building is ready to be used. Get a 3% discount when you pay by check, or you can rent to own with no credit check. Summer's in full swing. Now's the time to roll Relax outdoors in a glider, deck chair, swing, or Adirondack chair, or play cards around the picnic table. There's premium quality and selection in stock, made from vinyl, yellow pressure-treated pine, or finished hardwood. A great yard starts at Springwater Amish Workshop. The showroom's full. They're ready to bargain. If you love wind chimes, choose from a full selection with melodic tone. From buildings to gazebos, lighthouses to wind chimes, Springwater Amish Workshop has it all. 7936 Mill Street, Springwater. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, Saturday 9 to 3. Inside the Taylor Laboratories. Hey, Tony, what you doing? A little experiment, Zach. Look what I have under the microscope. Ugh, what's that? A sample of indoor air. How can it be that dirty? Don't AC and furnace filters help? Only with dust, Zach. But when Taylor installs a whole house APCO air purifier to detox the air, odors, chemicals, mold, bacteria, and viruses are removed. For clean indoor air. Yep. Ain't science awesome? Taylor. 500 help. The Trappist monks of the Abbey of the Genesee have been baking monks' bread for nearly 70 years, right here in western New York, just outside of Geneseo. You'll find every variety of monks' bread and many other monks' specialty items at their beautifully renovated Abbey store. Or you can order online at monksbread.com. Your purchase of monks' bread supports the monks' mission of prayer and hospitality. Take a short drive down 390 South and visit the Abbey store or order online at monksbread.com. Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz, the next step show on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to the next step show. Listeners, friends, families, anybody who's listening, thank you very much for hanging in there with us. I am always glad to say that I'm here with my homegirl Aisha, and today with the extra in Aisha's Extraordinary Machine, Mr. Matt Kreutzen Studio, and our guest, Dumi Sani Washington. Welcome back, Dumi Sani. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, before we get more on Israel, I just want to, you know, here, we, we, I don't know how familiar you are with stuff here in New York, but we had a, a, a governor that recently stepped down. The guy was charged with, well, excuse me, there were allegations, not charged. Let me correct that. I apologize. Right. But he was uh, seven and I think at one point almost 11 allegations of sexual um, um, misconduct, um, sexual I'm trying to be nice, but really the guy... There actually was a charge, but it got dropped. Right. Yeah. So nothing yeah. really ever stuck. M- misdemeanor thing. So he stepped down. You know, this is the governor that was uh, uh, in charge, right? He had the ultimate control here in New York State during the uh, COVID pandemic. We lost an, an enormous amount of uh, elderly uh, people as a result of his actions. And then he wrote a book. Yeah, and not only, I, I want to talk about his book, but I just want to point out too, right? And not only was Cuomo, right... Um, directly responsible for lives being lost mine almost as well yes. but um 
you know, we have Mendoza here lo- locally in Rochester who they're trying to reaffirm, right? Have him go, reappoint, b- him. reappoint him. And him and Cuomo were the ones out there killing all of our seniors. And I cannot even imagine why we are trying to put people back in that would, um, you know, that that were part of this. Disregard families that would disregard those that are trying to say, hey, let me see my mom and dad. You know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, you know, again, and I know that could be a whole. But real quick, I just just wanted to point out because this guy doesn't go away. Well, a couple of things bug me. He stepped down. Right. Yeah. Because of all these allegations. He didn't step down willfully either. I mean, it took a lot for him to leave finally but what gets me is once he left nothing happened right you know he he well excuse me his his uh his j scope right his ethics committee came on and they said that oh he has to what what is he He had to pay back the money yeah and then he sued them although they're defunct and then he and then he they're saying he doesn't have even though it's not done well he won right that he won his suit right is that what it came out this very untrustworthy governor that we have by the way so he's making money off of the death of our seniors and his debacle is his tenure in you know as the governorship and he gets to make money off of that yeah you know just just 5.1 million dollars though and that that was an advance Yes. And it also needs to be understood that he employed state, he made state workers write the book for, ghost write yeah, the book yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we paid, our tax dollars paid, paid. for that, and then he's gotten $5.1 million to sit on. To right. sit on, yep. Now, our governor, our current wow. governor, is neither going after him for the allegations. There's no investigation. She was his on. lieutenant governor. She too. was his lieutenant governor, yep, yep, yep. I wonder if he ever made any advances at her. Oh, ew. I, just, I can't even. Peter, people could be eating. Yeah. I, mean, come on, like, I can't even on any other level even go there. Anyways. But I am just, yeah, but I am. I'm, I'm very troubled that, you know, even though I did say it, I have to say, right, that I didn't think he was going to get in trouble for anything. And um, he didn't. It, it, and you're right. Yeah. And I did. You were right. I you was, called it. Yeah. And then on top of all that. The attorney general decides that she doesn't want to run anymore for governor. Remember, it's it's like how do you, how do we not, how do they expect us not to really believe that there's nonsense, a shenanigans, very going strange on? alignment yeah. of planets? I have to too say, too busy going after Donald Trump. Uh, I guess so. Amen, brother. Yeah. I guess so. Going after Donald Trump, but also you know trying to figure out more ways how they can grift off of our the death of all of us and control the, us all. Yeah, while, while you're chatting, I just we've lost Dumasani again, so I have to leave the room for a moment and get him back. Sure. So have a nice chat. Perfect. Um, so I mean, I don't know if anybody out there does know, right, that they are looking at um, reappointing Mendoza. Did you see that, Peter? They're trying to, yes. Yes. And we have, you know, I mean, I don't want to call anyone feckless, so I, I won't. But, you know, I, we have some Republicans that are also um, going along with this. And, again, I think that it is very important that we look at the commonality between what happened with Cuomo and how... You have not just here in Monroe County, right? I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, I know there's other counties in, in, in New York as well where their health commissioners uh, all over the place went right along with a lot of these things that happen in these lockdowns. And not only senior homes, right, uh, which is the most egregious that I can think of, but also in the like those disabilities, 
right? And how a lot of those families were forced, um, who didn't want to have those um, children that they have in these group homes. Uh, they were kept out from seeing their parents. They were forced to uh, get the shot and do all of those things through, as well. Through Cuomo and now through through Kathy Hochul, right? Through, and these governors. Uh, well, they're, they're actually because it's not. I mean, Mendoza's an appointee. These guys, they do what they're told to do. No, um, you know, no, they, they, they can they, choose not to. And I'm not. Listen, I'm not advocating at all whatsoever for any of <laughs> they these. They all people. take money but, from the pharmaceuticals. Is, yep. This year, November eighth, there's an opportunity to change this. Yes. And, and and the thing is this. This isn't about one individual. This isn't about Correct. Zeldin or isn't about – this is about a, a, a bigger, bigger issue in this country. Both of these uh, uh, here, both of these governors, right, have almost single-handedly – well, I mean, I guess between both of them because they was, she was his lieutenant governor – have destroyed really the, not just the you know our economy in this state. But have really crushed the black and brown community. Yes, they absolutely. have really taken away and created, uh, you know, that, that that entrepreneur spirit. They've taken away the foundation of 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 of, uh, of our natural conservatism, our entrepreneurships, right? And just are trying to create this dependency. Yeah, it's true. Well, yes, and through the English, and, and also through the teachers' unions, they're uh, they're. they're I, again, they're abusing our kids in the schools, yeah. the masking yeah. and the CRT, yeah. and being, the kids being taught lies in school. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, all day long. And then, you know, to make it even worse, then on top of that, they start, you know, issuing condoms in the fifth grade. And then looking at parents like they're wrong for not wanting to have that yeah, discussion exactly. with their nine-year-old. Well, you know what? I don't want to be talking about that with my nine-year-old. She shouldn't even be. She should still be thinking about ponies. Oh, I got a new horse, but so, I, we have Dubasani back, so I won't go into my new horse yeah, no, that no. my husband let me get. <laughs> although, although, check out her Facebook page because it is a beautiful horse. Uh, Dumisani, I wanted to ask you because you know if it's okay that if you don't mind sharing um, or, or giving us your opinion on some of the stuff that we talked about, and I'm sure you see this all over the place. It's not just that destruction of of that uh, uh, relationship with, you know, with, with Israel and the black and brown communities, but it's just the destruction of the family unit and God in general in the black and brown community. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, and politically, if you can, that impact? Yeah, everything you all are talking about is inextricably linked to this thing with Israel. This is one of the things that I shared with Dean Nelson, and I began to share a little bit with Aisha when we talked a little while ago, was that when we're talking about these issues of family, when we talk about these types of political issues that have helped dismantle the family, there is this thing that is so connected to where Israel is concerned, both biblically and in terms of worldview. And so uh, on our website, for example, if you go to our website, ibsi-now.org, one of the things that's there is what we call Africa Israel Weekly. We have a blog that's on Substack that actually write different articles about different issues that relate to this, including stuff like school choice. Right. There's one of the articles we did a couple weeks ago was called Why School Choice Will Help Save the U.S.-Israel Relationship. We talked about the fact that the public school system, by and large, this has nothing to do with teachers. Teachers can be great, amazing, but unfortunately the system, as you all are referring to, is broken. Right? Mm -hmm. The system is broken. The children aren't learning. It has affected. It, 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 when we talked about it, this was already a reality back in the 70s when you went to black and brown communities that were poor and working class neighborhoods. Those schools were already in disrepair, but now it's affecting almost everyone, and now people are up in arms. We see, even in terms of the election itself, the election that happened in Virginia that shocked the world had much, I don't have to tell you all, was parents voting for their children. This has a lot to That's do with right. what's going on right now 
in the United States. This was parents, even Democrats who crossed the line because they saw in the uh, governor, uh, uh, Young, uh, Ben Youngkin, Youngkin, I guess it is, and then the lieutenant mm-hmm. governor, they saw in them people who would be champions for their kids in terms of schools, open access in terms of schools going back into having having classes, having school choice. School choice has become a huge thing in Arizona just now, right? Arizona yes. just became probably the freest state in the union when it comes to school choice. Parents have the opportunity to choose the best education option for their children. Well, black families and brown families have always felt that way. Even if they voted Democrat, they were still for school choice. It just became a situation where it was something of a dichotomy. How does that relate to Israel? Well, what you had was the Israel, the whole Palestinian part of it. They would then focus their anti-Israel message in those black disaffected communities and say to them, the reason why you're dealing with racism and discrimination is because those no good Jews. And if you stand with us and you stand with Palestinians, then we will stand in solidarity. This is why Black Lives Matter had nothing to say about black on black crime, but stood with the Palestinians. Remember, they would scream at people and tell them, no, this is about don't don't bring other issues into this. Don't talk about, you know, uh, uh, abortion. Don't talk about any of those types of things. We're only talking about racist police and a criminal justice system. And after about a year of duping everybody, then they come up with this We Stand with Palestine. Well, wait a minute. How'd you get way over to the Middle East? And you curse me out for actually bringing up stuff like entrepreneurialism and school choice, those types of things. And the reason was is because it was a Trojan horse. It had Correct. nothing to do with the black community. It was using the black community and brown. Okay, when we talk about the, the crime bills that Biden passed that affected black and brown communities and locked up folks for 10, 20 years for having crack, even though his son never got locked up, which is another conversation, right? But other people would have other types of drugs and they wouldn't do it. This was all connected. You had the Palestinian leaders exploiting all of those things, which is why BLM not only doesn't care about the infrastructure of the black family and the community. It used the black community to bash Israel, something that had nothing to do with what was going on with the black community. Israel, and then this is the other thing, they would blame Israel if there were instances of police brutality. No joke, you all, they called it the deadly exchange, mm-hmm. because Israel is involved with helping train police around the world in mm-hmm. counterterrorism right. because they're the best at counterterrorism. Then the Black Lives Matter, another group said, if something happened to a Mike Brown or a Trayvon Martin, that was Israel's fault, fault because Israel is the one who trained. No joke, this is what was going on on the street. They didn't say it. it. The media would never report on it, but we knew on the ground this is what was going on. Absolutely. You know, in, in here in Monroe County, about uh, the, the black and brown community makes up around 27% of the population. Last week, we had uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, vice president of the Rochester City School Board, uh, one of the largest school districts here in the area. Phenomenal person. I mean, Aisha and I had her on because we think she does great things in, 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 in her role. But she, she did say something, and I had asked her uh, about it, but she had mentioned, we were talking about sex ed, yeah. I think, um, and, and a couple other things. And I asked, you know, why are we putting that in there? Why, what, what's the intent? And and her response was interesting because she said that it was that it was the school's responsibility to implement and teach things like sex education uh, at what they're calling age appropriate, you know, as little as kindergarten, uh, which the Misani there's nothing age appropriate about it um, because parents weren't talking about it. So you know, my response to her was, do you believe that uh, just, you know, what I'm hearing, or at least uh, and what I think our listeners are hearing? Uh, that she was saying was that government uh, um, 
uh, in their role knows more than the parents. And if the parents fail for whatever their reasons to share uh, or to explain these things with their children, then then they're wrong. And you know, she said that these things lead to uh, teen pregnancy. But what you know, what 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 struck me with that response is that. Nowhere in in any of that discussion did someone say, "Hey, you know, let's look at this um, at a at a systemically, a, a, you know, from a systemic point of view. What is causing right. the issue? What is the root cause?" Right. No one's saying, "Hey, well, right. wait a minute. Instead of giving our fifth graders condoms, you know, let's talk to them about, uh, or let's talk to their parents and educate parents about um, things like abstinence." But they refuse yeah. that. Absolutely. Well, this, this has a much to do with the whole issue of school choice, right? It's amazing. One of the other articles we posted on our, on our site as well and we shared is the fact that we talk about school choice. Not only has that always been the overwhelming choice of parents, black and brown parents, here's the thing, the fastest growing homeschool, for example, just a, and then school choice is many different things, homeschools, it's charter schools, all the types of things that may not be a part of the conventional public school system if that parent feels that it's not serving the child well. The fastest growing demographic right now in terms of that is black American families. Hispanic families as well, right in that same category. Why? Why are parents taking it upon themselves to find other avenues for their child's education, which is the most important thing other than their child's spiritual development, for the very reasons that you're saying? They're watching these unelected bureaucrats oftentimes, or these people who are part of a school board who are more concerned with how much money they make with whether or not these children are actually learning, and the parents are seeing it more and more and more. It is becoming voting issues, right? And it is definitely becoming a demographic shift. You have parents who are saying what you're saying, whether it's inappropriate sexual material, whether it's all kinds of, when I told you that whole Palestine thing, they're using that material. There's a, there's a study, there's a curriculum that's called Critical Ethnic Studies. It was born out where I'm, where I'm from. I'm not, I don't live anymore. I'm from California. Came out of California. And it is a deception along that same line. It tells people that the black civil rights movement was a farce because those people were weak and, and feckless. And what they should have done was take up arms. No joke. I'm not joking with you. And that Israel is an apartheid state and the kids should boycott it. They're teaching these kids in now in grade school. And in college, they're programming them in this way. Yeah, and parents and have you noticed, too? No, no. Have you noticed, too, there's a little off track, and we got to get a little bit, but even with some of the, right, like we fought so hard against uh, segregation and stuff, right. but I am finding there are a large segment of black that want not only, you know, to homeschool, and they're choosing to homeschool, because they want a Afrocentric black curriculum that right, they right. can't get into the you know into the public school system, and so they're like willfully now segregating themselves and saying that we should have our own curriculum. Have you? Right. And yeah. I'm like, what is going on that? Yeah. You can be yes. so manipulated, really, right, right to say that, right. but, we, but we fought so hard. All for, about dividing us. Right. You know, like we fought so right. hard to um, have this integration. And now you are literally and proudly coming out and saying that you want to have your own curriculum that um, right. is only about blacks 
And that's what you want to be able to teach your kids. And I'm like, but, I, you know, again, is it American history? Do we want all history in there? You know, David Barton, all of these. And again, you were talking about school choice. I don't know um, people, right? You mentioned Dean Nelson, who's the uh, chairman of the Douglas Leadership Institute and the Frederick Douglass Foundation. And, you know, we've been really working in that sphere, right, with the school choice. Uh, Michael Lancaster, he's our president down in Georgia. And, and oh, that's my trigger to go i'm triggered now so i'm a snowflake this is just awful he's cutting me off (laughs) not really anyway i just want to say thank you so much for listening to peter vasquez and aisha kreitz here on the wysl voice of liberty show on 95.5 FM, 92.1 FM, and 1040 AM. She's got it. We'll be back with more Next Steps. And again, Dumasani, hang on the phone. Let's see if we can keep the uh, the phone open this time. And we'll be right back. Rock on. Harley Davidson and Rock on Power Sports. West Henrietta Road. Shop the greatest selection of legendary Harleys and save big on a wide array of used bikes. And Rock on Power Sports has rides from Honda, Kawasaki, and Yamaha. Rock on has a helpful staff to save you big money. The Rock on Service Department has expert technicians and a great supply of parts to get and keep you on two wheels. WYSL listeners get $500 off used motorcycles while supplies last. Rock On has side-by-sides, ATVs, and jet boats, too. Anything that's fun and goes fast. On and off-road and on the water, shop the all-new Rock On first. Rock On Harley-Davidson and Rock On Motorsports, 2600 West Henrietta Road. Open Tuesday through Saturday. Call 424-2120. Visit rockonharleydavidson.com. Western New York Sealing and Paving. Installing new driveways and parking lots. Seal coating, too. Want a fresh new driveway or parking lot installed? Call 247-8466. For a limited time, get 0% financing for 18 months for qualified buyers. Serving Monroe, Livingston, and Ontario counties. WNYPave.com. Seal coating, paving, plus concrete sidewalks and patios. Call 247-8466 or visit WNYPave.com. Western New York Sealing and Paving. Make your asphalt great again. If you are dealing with chronic pain, Dr. Sharak Patel is now available in the Southern Tier. Serving Noyes, Jones, and St. James Hospitals, Dr. Patel is an experienced pain management specialist. He offers steroid injections and many other procedures and has a special interest in the lumbar and cervical spine. Don't let chronic pain impact your quality of life. Ask your doctor for a referral or call 585-243-0150. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz. On the WYSL stations. You know I like my chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And radio Yeehaw! Ladies and gentlemen, ah. welcome back to the Next Steps. I'm a little hungry now. Hot Country Next Steps. Hot no Country Next Steps. I like that. Hot Country Next Steps. I love country. Where's your cowboy hat? Not here. Not, Not here. Black redneck. Uh, <laughs> man, hey, have you talked to my wife lately? You know that woman does not slow down, man. I'm like, honey, we 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 gotta talk. And she's like, you know, talk oh, she's stuff. running for office. She well, sure not office, is. judge. That's not really the same thing. It is definitely not. Yeah. So, um, but 
Hopefully she'll get in there. Well, not hopefully. She's going to. She's going to get in there. That's like not People are smart, though. You know. People are smart. Oh. They're, they're realizing, <laughs> and they know who the conservative is. Anyways, go ahead. Duma, oh, Dumasani? No. Yeah. Yeah, Dumasani's still here. I just wanted to wrap up real quick. Uh, love talking to him. Uh, I, I love Dumasani. Uh, known him for a while, and I'm just so glad that he was able to come on with us. I hope. Um, Dumasani, can you tell everyone just how they can get a hold of you? And I don't know if we missed anything that you want to make sure something that you're working on. Um, as we sure. And no, I appreciate it. I, I really do. So people can go to our website, ibsi-now.org, which stands for Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, ibsi-now.org. Um, you can find out all about what we are doing. And our main focus right now is called the Peace Initiative. We are actually recruiting black American and African in the States 20 of them, we're actually halfway there, who will actually be a part of what's called the Peace Initiative, which stands for Plan for Education, Advocacy, and Community Engagement. We unpack many of the issues that we are talking about here today, ancient Israel, modern Israel, the United Nations, black Jewish synergy, international connections to Israel, all of these things. And they will take that group both to South Africa this December, we're headed for South Africa, to actually see both the black Jewish synergy there in Africa, there where the whole Israel apartheid lie got started, not with the Africans, but actually with the Iranians, which is another story, right? And then in the spring, June 2023, we head for the Holy Land. We go to Israel, and we go to Galilee, we go to Jerusalem. We actually, they'll get this whole uh, education, if you will, uh, and then they will return to that their city. awesome. And, and the advocates there in their city. So if they want to find out about that, or they want to enroll in that, or at least and apply, go and to ibsi-now.org. Yes, and it is a great opportunity, and there's some great scholarships as well. So please check out Dumasani and the IB, and the well, Institute for Black Solidar- Solidarity with Israel. Absolutely. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you we've so been much listening for to Dumasani, right? Thank you for joining us, and now it's time for... Now, Free Soup with Aisha Kreutz. So I wanted to come to you today and talk to you a little bit about the right to bear arms, a huge thing that is going on right now. In Genesis 14, 14, it says, and when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed and trained servants born in his own house, 318 pursued them unto Dan. The Second Amendment in the U.S. Constitution reads, as a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Having fled persecution in Britain, the Puritans had laws requiring every family to actually own a gun, to carry it in public places, and to train children in the use of firearms. In 1619, the colony of Virginia had statutes that required everyone to bear arms. Connecticut law in 1650 required every man above the age of 16 to possess a good musket or other gun for fit for service. The early laws of American of America were very clear about this. The people were responsible for their own defense and freedom. With the approach of the American Revolution, the natural rights philosophers had established the foundation for self of, uh, self-defense. And for the most part, the colonial churches, particularly the New England uh, congregations, believed that to revolt against tyrants such as King George was to obey God. We have to remember that again here in America. 
Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Next Steps with Peter and Aisha. If you want to advertise with us, you want to leave us a comment, you want to share something, by all means, send me an email at peter at nextstepshow.com. Until next week. Reconoce que el amor